Welcome to the new RPS Pharmacy and Podcast, where we interview interesting people from the world of pharmacy and beyond. And we want to hear from you. Head to the RPS Twitter and hashtag RPS Pharmacy to have your say on who we should invite to the show and what you would like to ask our guests. Now, please welcome your hosts. My name is Gina Martini, and I'm the Chief Scientist for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And today, I'm absolutely delighted that Sir Richard Sykes has joined us to give another interview as part of Pharmacene Podcasts. Sir Richard is a non-executive director of PDS Biotechnology. He is the president of the Research and Development Society and Chancellor of Brunel University. He has previously held senior positions in a number of internationally recognised scientific, pharmaceutical and medical organisations within both public and private sectors, including as chair of organisations such as the Royal Institution of Great Britain, King Edward VII's Hospital, UK Stem Cell Foundation, and Singapore Biomedical Sciences International Advisory Council. In June 2021, Sir Richard was appointed as Chair of the Vaccines Task Force. Sir Richard, welcome. Thank you very much, Gino. Great pleasure. So, Sir Richard, it's really interesting. You conducted an independent review of the stretching goals of the Vaccines Task Force in December 2020. So I suppose the obvious question now, as Chair, what's the role of the Task Force now? Well, of course, the the role of the task force is still extremely important. It has an important role to play. And as you know, the government has just confirmed that subject to JCVI and Vice, of course, there's going to be a a vaccine booster campaign. And that's a program that probably will start within the next few weeks. We could be vaccinating up to another 35 million people. So the VTF has a significant role to play in that to make sure that we have the vaccine supply in order for that to take place. Obviously, government works closely with the NHS so that they can employ that vaccine rapidly into people. You know that at the same time, it's the flu season, so we have to give the flu vaccine. So that is a big logistics exercise to deliver the booster campaign, to deliver the flu vaccine. And of course, pharmacists and pharmacies will be playing a very important role in that. So that's one big thing the VTF obviously has to take control over. Our role is also to make sure that we have manufacturing capabilities and capacity to support future vaccine production and make sure in the UK that we can also have resilience. That is that we have the ability to respond to this pandemic, of course, as it continues and maybe into an epidemic, but also the potential for future pandemics. So we've got to be prepared to make sure that we have that resilience in the UK. We've supported many projects in the UK. We spent £65.5 million early in manufacturing of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. We spent £8.6 million to CPI, the Centre for Product Innovation in Darlington, to develop GMP-ready mRNA manufacturing capability. We also obviously play a big role in dose sharing. If you remember, the government has confirmed that the UK will share 100 million doses of vaccine within the next year. And 30 million doses of that will actually go out in 2021. So the VTF has to identify which doses to share and work with others, work with the government, work with external agencies to make sure that those vaccines are delivered in the right possible way. And just as an example of that, we have in the last few weeks delivered 300,000 vaccines of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine to Jamaica. 
So, you know, there's a lot going on and the, the VTF still have that very important role to play in the vaccine business. Well, that's absolutely amazing, the work that you guys are doing. And I think on behalf of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, we'd like to thank you and the Vaccine Task Force again for all the great work that you guys are doing. It's been a remarkable feat of, of British science coming together with industry and with government. You alluded to pharmacy during your answer. How well do you think the pharmacy workforce has been used? I see the pharmacies and pharmacists as an integral part of the UK healthcare delivery system. And so I think very early on, many pharmacists were recruited into the vaccine centres to deliver the vaccine. Obviously, without that, that would have been an enormous problem. So many of those people came in and did it in their spare time not just when they were working. And recently, of course, then pharmacies have been delivering vaccinations to people within the pharmacies themselves. And as we look forward, as I said before, if we enter a booster campaign along with the flu vaccine campaign, then obviously pharmacies and pharmacists are going to play a very significant role in that programme. I think that's correct. And the boosters are going to be a very interesting campaign. And also I'd like to acknowledge our pharmacist colleagues working in hospitals who did an enormous amount of work in vaccines and primary care networks, as well as those pharmacists working in the community. It really has been a cross-sectorial push to get the nation vaccinated. It's been a credit to our profession and great that you've, you've acknowledged that, Sir Richard. So thank you so much for that. More of a technical question, a question that people are probably mulling over right now. Are you concerned about the potential for variants to develop in our populations, I suppose? And how quickly can we adapt vaccines to combat those variants? Well, obviously, we have to be watching out for any potential variants of concern. And that means monitoring is critically important. So the VTF very early on invested about £49 million into state-of-the-art labs at Porton Down to support the acceleration of testing effectiveness of vaccines so that make sure that the vaccines that are under development that we have there are actually active against any variant that may be causing a concern. So we continue also to look at new approaches to vaccine discovery, development and manufacturing, both on the domestic and the industrial level. We work closely, of course, with vaccine manufacturers to make sure that vaccines are already regulated in the UK and they're approved. So we continue to make sure that they're suitably updated and we continue to work with vaccine manufacturers. So we are aware of, of what's going on in terms of variants. They need that feedback as well so that they can decide whether to develop new vaccines against those variants. And there are at this point in time a number of vaccines under development that will look at various different strains of the virus. But currently, I must say that there is no strong evidence to suggest that our current vaccines do not work against all the variants that we're aware of. And particularly, they work in preventing serious mortality, if you like. So in terms of the serious disease, then the vaccines that we have are certainly preventing that in the community. So I think we're very fortunate in that regard that the vaccines have held up to all the potential variants that we've seen so far. So the existing vaccine rollout is still very critical in tackling new variants. And that means that they save lives. They're critically important. 
and also in protecting the NHS. So we continue to encourage people to go and get vaccinated if they haven't been vaccinated, because that has to be the best way forward. I want to share a personal story with you. On Saturday, I lost a cousin to the virus. He was admitted in hospital on Thursday and he passed away on Saturday. We are very unsure about his vaccine status. So I implore people listening to this podcast, please encourage people who may be vaccine hesitant. Please, please, please encourage them to be vaccinated. It's really, really important. The data speaks for itself, Sir Richard, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. Okay, so Richard, you mentioned a bit about supplies. How is the task force managing vaccine availability, particularly the fact that we are prioritising, I suppose, non-AZ options for under-40s? That must have made life very complicated. How did the, the task force manage that change? Of course, there are very clear supply chain plans in place for both the supply and onward deployment of vaccine candidates. So the VTF have worked very closely with the manufacturers. So the task force manages supplier relationships almost on a daily basis to ensure delivery of the vaccines. We've got to make sure that we have those vaccines all in the system so that we can deal with that. We have four MHRA-approved vaccines in the UK for the booster portfolio, so we're not reliant particularly on Oxford AZ. We've successfully met our target of offering the first dose of vaccine to every adult in the UK by the 19th of July. So all adults, that is, are now able to receive the second dose after eight weeks. We have the vaccines to support this so that every adult in the UK has the chance to have two vaccines by the middle of September. And I think that's an enormous, again, fantastic effort that's been completed. So I would again encourage everybody to go and get vaccinated. The vaccines are there, the vaccinators are waiting, and you need to go and get vaccinated. I'll be seeing them on Saturday morning when I go and volunteer as a vaccinator. So I'll be there ready with needle in hand. And we obviously mastered the whole cold chain supply issue. So that's been a great achievement by the vaccine task force. Don't you agree? Absolutely. When you think that the Pfizer vaccine particularly has to be transported at minus 70 from its manufacturing base, stored at minus 70, sent out to all the different vaccine centres. I mean, that cold chain process has been absolutely amazing. I think what you've achieved there is amazing. What's even more amazing that the word cold chain supply became a regular discussion at the breakfast table. It really brought science home, didn't it, what was going on? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about supply chains and cold chain supply, what have you. you know, the pandemic has shown, I suppose, that maybe the UK needs a stronger manufacturing base and clinical development capacity and capability. And what needs to happen to enable this? Again, Gina, that was recognised quite early in the process. So VTF invested over £350 million to secure and scale up UK manufacturing capabilities. So that is quite amazing that that was done in the first few months. Actually, the amount of work that's happened in the last year has just been amazing. There's been a lot of emphasis on injections or inoculations of vaccines. And some of us are old enough to remember the old sugar cube, you know, when polio was given. Do you ever see whether the vaccines or boosters could be given by the oral route? Well, certainly at the moment, all these vaccines are being given by the intramuscular route, which is uh, obviously the first port of call. But as we go forward, there's no question that many manufacturers and developers are now working on different delivery systems, 
whether that be subcutaneous, whether it be oral, whether it be intranasal, because certainly that is the best way to deliver a vaccine. And as you say, polio, once that became oral, then that was so much easier to deliver to children. So, yes, of course, question is, can you get the same efficacy? Will you get the same results? And that all has to be tested. But there's no question that people are working on that and will continue to work on it. So, Richard, thank you for a fascinating interview and insight today of the Vaccines Task Force. And on behalf of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, I'd like to thank you and all the teams involved in the task force. Thank you very much, Gino. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the new RPS Pharmacine podcast out every other Friday. Don't forget to get involved and have your say using the hashtag RPS Pharmacine. See you in two weeks' time.